Are y'all ready for a miracle? Okay, are you ready for a miracle? Are you ready for God to work in your life in this year? Yes, I would think that we would be, right? I believe in 2023. That's what we've been saying. I believe in 2023. Say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in 2023. One more time. I believe in 2023. And that's what we've been focusing on. We are believing this word right here. We're not believing in the year 2023. What we're doing is we're believing that God is going to do something in our lives in 2023. That God is going to work. That he is going to move. Because, and here's the point of the series. We still serve a God of miracles. We serve a God who works in our lives. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. That's where we want to go. And truth is, I want you to experience God's movement in your life in this year. See, I'm still celebrating this new year that we've moved into. Getting rid of the old, coming into the new, getting the past behind me, getting ready for what God has in store for us next. And I believe anytime that God moves, anytime that God changes things, anytime God transforms things in our lives, anytime he works in any way, it's little miracles. Right? It's just amazing. And I know that there are many of us as we move into this new year that need to see God work. Right, Maybe something happened last year that you're just dragging into this year that's in front of you and, and we don't know what to do with it and we don't know how it's going to end up and we're not very hopeful about it or this big change and I'm not sure what to do and I'm not sure what to think about this and it'd be great if God, if you would show up and if you would move and you would work because I need you in this time, in this place, God, are you there? Because truth is, a lot of us would say, I need God to work. I need a miracle. I need him to answer. I need him to provide. So if that's the case and we're looking for God to work in this year, then what do we need to do to see that happen? Like, how do we get to that point? Like, like what can we do? How do we set ourselves up for that? So in the first week, what I did was I said that there's a few key essentials that you got to do in order for God to work. Okay, some key essentials that we can do that helps place us in a better, in a great position for God to work. Maybe that's a better way to say that. And the first thing I said is that we have to admit we need him, right? It's just like any other relationship. We got to go and we got to ask. Sometimes we try to do on our own without asking God. We got to go to God. And we got to go to him, like I said last time, we got to seek and knock continually. We got to keep going to him. The next thing we have to do, we got to assess what we already have in life. God loves to start with what he's already provided in our lives. Right, and then number three, what I got to do is I got to surrender what I have to God. Right, I got to give it to Him. And then number four, I got to believe that God is going to multiply what I give Him. Right, I, I, when I give God to something, I have to have the belief to understand that God is going to take what I'm giving Him, and that He's going to use it. You see, I, th I think God wants to work. I think He wants to move and provide in your year that's ahead of you. So do those four things that we talked about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, go back online. You can check, um, not last week's message. We were on the marriage retreat last week, but two weeks ago, you can catch back up on that. And today, where I want to go is I want to talk about what it takes to please God. And here's why. It's because it just kind of makes sense that if I want God to work, if I want to see a miracle in my life, then God needs to be pleased with me, right? Because... 
The reason I say that is because last message we said that our relationship with God is just like any other relationship. Like, we got to go to him and ask. Like, why would we think God would just work if we're not asking him? Like, if we're not going to him? Like, we, we don't have that relationship. What he's after is a relationship with us, right? So we got to go to him. And so if that's the case, and it's just like any other relationship we have, if I were to come to you and I were to ask you to do something for me, then it just makes sense that you would have to be pleased with me in order to do what I've asked you to do, right? I mean, I, I just think that that makes sense. So, this morning, here's the question. How do I please God? Like, how do I make sure that God is pleased with me so that I can see him move in me, work in me, provide for me? Because the reason I ask this question, like how it is that, that we please God, is because this can be very confusing for people. Some, some think, and, and those of you that grew up in church, or those of you that didn't grow up in church, you have this idea of a God that we got to do things for, like i got to do this, and i got to do that, and i got to do these certain things, and i got to say these certain prayers, and if I do this, or if I do that, and if I act this certain way, and I'm a good little boy or a good little girl, then God will be pleased. Right? I got, I, it's all about acting right. And if I do those things, then God will love me and God will work. But that's not entirely correct. Okay, and that's not what the scriptures teach us. You see, when Jesus makes his grand entrance in the New Testament, he ends up telling us it's not all about the rules and the regulations. Right? Jesus breaks this down and he says, you know, it's not just about the to-do list or the don't-do list that we're trying to try to make it all about, right? He said, what God's really interested in, we go back to this that I just talked about, he, he, he wants to show us that God is more interested in our relationship with him. Like, God wants nothing more than for you to invite him into your heart, for you to live close with him so that he can guide and direct your steps. So with all that being said, in this vein of the relationship that we have with God and that relationship that he desires with us, the Bible actually says that it's impossible to please God without this one thing. Like if you're serious about this and you want to know what you need to do, what it's all about, and strengthening that relationship that he wants to have... It's impossible to have that relationship that God wants with you. It's impossible for him to move or work unless you have this one thing. So what is that one thing? Here it is in Hebrews eleven six. It says this. Without faith, no one can please God. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is real and that he rewards those who truly want to find him. So it all comes down... To this word right here, this faith that we have in God. You see, that just makes sense. Like if I don't trust him, if I don't believe in him, if I don't have faith in God, then it's going to be really hard to please him, right? But if you do have faith, like if you are trusting him with this in your life or that or whatever that situation is, that verse goes on to say that he rewards those if you go home and read the rest of this, it rewards those who have faith in him. And last week we said that anytime God works, anytime God moves, anytime God provides, it's a little miracle for us. So if I want him to work in my life, in my relationships, in my work, in my family, with my kids, the way to please him 
He said, I got to have faith. I got to have faith in him. Faith. Those stories in scripture that God works, that God performs, that God moves, that God directs. It always involves somebody who has faith in God. Faith in Jesus. And when you put your faith, when you come to Jesus and you say, I have faith that you can do this. I got faith nobody else can, but I know that you can, God. And when you have that faith, that's when God works, right? So let's talk about faith this morning. What, what, what kind of faith are we talking about? Like, what, what does it mean? Let's break that down. Like, that, 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 that word is so big when I just talk about having faith or trusting or believing in Jesus for this or that in my life. Like, what does it mean to have faith? So to help us with this topic of having faith in God, I want to share with you a miracle that God does for a widow in the book of 1 Kings, okay? And it involves my favorite, one of my favorite characters outside of Jesus. I love the prophet Elijah. Elijah was just the man in the Old Testament. In fact, after Elijah is the one that got taken up in the chariot to heaven, and then later on in the New Testament, Jesus brings two people down to talk with him from the past, and it's Moses and Elijah, and Jesus having this conversation. So Elijah is important enough to have this conversation with Jesus in the New Testament. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go read Matthew 17. It's such a cool story. But this Elijah, he was the man. And hundreds, hundreds of years before Jesus came, he's the prophet for Israel. And let me tell you a little bit about what's going on in the story that we're going to read. This prophet has a run-in with the king at the time. There's a king and a queen, and you probably have heard their names. Um, the king is Ahab. The queen, though, you may, you may know her. If Disney were making this story, I mean, she would be the Cruella de Vil. She would be the Ursula. You know what I'm talking about? She would be the wicked stepmother. She would be the Maleficent. Like, she would be... The evil one in this story, this is Queen Jezebel. So you got King Ahab and you got Queen Jezebel. And together they're bad news. And what they do is they turn Israel against God. They worship all these false gods. They worship a lot of false gods. And they let a lot of false prophets lead them away from God. So God gets upset. This is not pleasing to God. This is not having faith in God. And God alone. So what he does is God wants to teach the Israelites a lesson. So he says, I'm going to cause a drought to happen in this area so until they get their act together, until they come back to me. There's going to be a drought. And not only that, I'm going to send Elijah away. Now, back in the Old Testament, this is how they heard from God, was through the prophets, right? So by sending the prophet Elijah away, what God is doing is he's kind of limiting his presence with his people. I mean, his presence is still there, but how he communicates, how he talks, that relationship we've been talking about, right? They can't find the prophet. There's no way to hear from God in this moment. So God is going to be silent. There is going to be a drought, but God is going to take care of Elijah. So Elijah's sent away, and God provides for him, and he sends him while this drought is going on. He sends him to a widow's house, and this widow is going to take care of him. While God is dealing with King Ahab. So that's where we pick up in this story. Elijah, in the middle of this drought, in the middle of all this badness, he, he shows up at this lady's house, and here's what happens. 1 Kings 17, verse 10. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Now, back again to where we are. 
Elijah's been gone a long time, right? He's hungry, he's thirsty, just like everybody else is in the land, right? So he walks up to this widow. Widows, of course, had, didn't have a husband. They were kind of uh, on the lower scale of society because they didn't have anybody to provide for them. So she's already bad off, plus this drought. So he goes up to her, please give me something to eat, verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God. Like, I know who you are. Everybody knows who you are. I swear by God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I don't have anything. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. And I was gathering a few sticks just to cook this last meal, and then my son and I are going to die. This is how desperate her situation is. This is how bad things have gotten. She's looking at this great prophet, and she's like, listen, trust me, I want to help you, but... I've got nothing. Like all I have left is for me and my son. We're going to cook what I have. And literally, I don't know what's next. Like we could possibly die once we have this meal. There's nothing on the horizon. I've got nobody to bring me anything. I'm stuck out here by myself. And here you come asking for food. I have no idea what's next. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, maybe not that desperate, but maybe, maybe. There are some things that happen in life that have us feeling that desperate. Like we're at the end of our rope, we're at the end of the month, or we're at the end of this relationship, and my options are shot. And I literally, God, I have no idea what's next. Like I don't know what's coming. But this lady, she doesn't realize this just yet, but she is setting herself up for God to do this amazing miracle in her life. Verse 13. But Elijah says to her, check this out. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. Make the meal, okay? But make a little bread for me first. How great is that? Then use whatever's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. I imagine this lady is hearing Elijah and she is like, excuse me? Make a meal for you... Let me see if I understand you correctly. Imagine going up to any mama in this, any mama anywhere and saying, hey, feed me first before you feed your child. I don't know of any situation where you would say that. And yet, this is what Elijah is telling her to do. In essence, this is what God's asking her to do. Is she going to have the faith that she needs? That's the dilemma. Like, does she do it? Does she, I mean, she's got just enough for her and herself. Maybe something will happen tomorrow that she's not certain of. Maybe something, you know, I, I don't know what to expect, but maybe if we eat one more meal, they'll give us one more day. But Elijah's saying, no, 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 no. Feed me first. Then, then see what God can do. I mean, what about you? What about you when we hear a story like this? When it comes to those big moments in our life, when we face those dilemma, when we're facing this new year with some of this trouble that we've had, like, do we have the faith to believe? Like, how do we respond with God in these moments where he's asking us to have faith in him? Can we say that we have the faith, that we have the faith enough to do whatever's needed in order to see God work? Let's talk about this. What is faith? 
If you got your message notes, let, let me give you a few points here. When it comes to faith, number one, if you're, if you're online, the message notes are on our app, you can follow along. What is faith? Let's break this down. Number one, faith is believing when I don't see it. Okay? I'm sure this lady is confused. I'm sure she's like, I cannot see how God is going to work in this. And I don't know if you've heard this or not, Elijah, but we're in this drought. We're all hungry, and you're asking for food first, right? I'm sorry, but I cannot see how this is possible. I can see her just throwing up her hands and going, like, forget this. Like, get out of my house. And the reason that kind of response is normal is because that's what we say. We say things like, I'll believe it when I see it, right? I'll believe it. I'll believe it when you show me. I'll believe it when it's right in front of me. I'll believe it when I see it with my own two eyes and God's up in heaven going, that's not the formula. Like, that's not how it works. You got to believe, then you can see. Right? It's, it's, we got this backwards sometimes. You got to have faith first. And allow God to work with that faith, then you'll be able to see. It's, it's kind of like starting and building a church, starting in my home. I had to believe that God would do something through this. I had to believe. I was asking people. I was asking people that came. Y'all, we had people come to our first meeting. They couldn't see it yet, and they didn't come back. But here I am. I'm trying to energize this group in the, in the home to say, no, no, no. You got to believe God first before we can see anything. I know you can't see it and know what it's going to look like and all this kind of stuff, but we got to believe first, then we'll see it. And then we started our first series, you know, and we started our first worship services in the cheerleading facility. And I walked into the cheerleading facility with this group, and everybody's like, you are crazy if we're doing worship in this place, right? Like, this is crazy to think. I mean, the place smells like socks. I mean, I know y'all think little boys smell, and they do. But little girls who do, do gymnastics and cheerleading aren't exactly roses, I'm just going to say. Okay. But y'all, we, this group, we, we believed before we saw. We had faith that God was going to do something amazing. Same thing happened when we walked into the theater. We had to believe it before we actually laid eyes on it. Same thing happened when we walked into Brookstone. Had to believe it before we <clears throat> laid eyes on it. The same thing's going to happen for what's next for this church. We got to believe it before we actually see it. You see, every now and then, we got to have that kind of faith. That kind of faith where we can believe enough. If we believe enough, then God will give us these little glimpses where we can see it. Faith turns dreams into reality. So number one, I got to believe when I don't see. Point number two, faith, when we're talking about the faith that pleases God, is obeying when I don't understand. I got to be willing to obey God when I have no clue what he's talking about. I mean, this poor woman doesn't understand what Elijah is saying. Give her food. Give her food to him during a drought. You see, faith always involves a risk. We don't always get to understand. But real faith is moving forward even when we don't get it. You know, some people want the guarantee of success before they're able to move forward. Like they want to open up the Bible and, and like flip to a certain page and put your finger on a verse and let God speak to you. And if I do that and that verse says that I should go, then I'm going to go. But that's not, that's not how it works. I mean, that would be cool if it did, right? But that wouldn't be faith. You see, there are a lot of times 
in Scripture and in our lives where God asks us to do things that don't make sense. For instance, God says that, that when people hurt us, we should forgive them. That doesn't make sense. Like, they hurt me. Why should I forgive them, right? They should be coming after me. No. You know, I, I think the great theologian Carrie Underwood once said that I need to take a Louisville slugger to both headlights. Right? Like, that, I can understand that, right? But this other thing, forgive before and when they hurt me and seven times seven, seven times seven. Like, Jesus, that does not make sense at all. What are you talking about? But here's the point. If you learn to do what God tells you to do, even when it doesn't make sense, that proves your trust. That proves that you believe. That proves your faith in God. And that opens our lives and allows Him to work. So I got to believe it when I don't see it. I got to obey even though I don't understand it always. That proves faith. Number three, faith is persisting. Even when I don't feel like it. This is such a good point because I don't always feel like this. This is the exact opposite of what society teaches us today. Because most everybody says if it feels good, then do it. right? And if it doesn't feel good, well then don't do it. But what happens is that if we live this way, only doing what feels good and not doing what doesn't feel good. Then what happens is we end up being manipulated by our emotions. And there's so much more to life than that. Right? We can't just, we, we got to work hard. Working hard doesn't always feel good, but we know the results that come from that, right? So I can't just do what feels good. I got to be persistent even when I don't feel like it when it comes to following God. You see, mature Christians realize that making decisions and living by faith isn't just based on emotions because our emotions are constantly up and down. And how are you feeling today? And did you get a good night's rest? And we're always up and down based on the things that are going on around us. No, no, no. We got to be persistent even when we don't feel like it. And can I be honest with y'all? Sometimes I don't always feel like being a nice person. I don't always feel like being a preacher. Preachers always have to be nice everywhere. And there are certain times that I just don't want to. I don't. Like when somebody honks at me. I don't like honkers. I don't know if you feel this way. But I, I, oh, it just grates on my nerves. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but this happened to me a while back. Somebody honked at me, and I didn't know what I did wrong. I was like, I don't understand. I'm sure it was my fault, but did I really deserve a honk? So anyway, I'm still, I'm, I'm going along, and they followed me, and we ended up going to the same place. Has this ever happened to you? And we walked into Chick-fil-A. Like, they went in, I went in. We're both standing in line. And the person looks back at me, and I look at them, and I just say, I lean forward, and I say, God be with you. <laughs> and then I said under my breath, because obviously you need God. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just teasing. But that did happen. It's an awkward, awkward moment. But I don't always feel like it. Sometimes you probably don't feel like it as well. But we got to be persistent even when we don't feel like being obedient. That shows our faith in God. You know, what I've discovered is that when it comes to following Christ, if I'm persistent in doing his commands and following what he wants for my life, if I'm persistent in reading scripture, in praying, in coming to worship on Sundays with my church family, in serving him in moments when I can, if I'm persistent in doing these things, even though I don't feel like it all the time, that's a life that God can bless. 
That's a life that God can work with, right? That's a life that God can, can work miracles in it. And what I've learned, too, is the thing that Satan will try to do is he will try to manipulate your feelings so that you don't always feel like it. So you don't feel like, oh, I woke up late this morning. I don't feel like praying, you know, I'm already late. And, you know, I don't feel like reading scripture. I've had a long day and I just want to watch some TV. You know, like our feelings, like I said, are up and down. So we got to be persistent in the middle of it. And that's the kind of faith when we're just moving forward constantly. That's the kind of faith God is looking for. And that's the kind of faith that pleases him. And this lady... She was persistent in doing what she needed to do for her son and for Elijah. Which brings me to point number four. Faith. When we talk about what is faith, faith is giving what I have. It's giving what I have to God. Giving and faith, they go together. Now, the reason that this is so cool in this story is because the widow probably didn't feel like she had anything to give. She didn't didn't have much to give at all. Uh, she, She... Though she gave what she had, even though it wasn't really enough. And here's what we read. Look at We're going to finish out the story. Some of y'all are probably like, please don't stop uh, the message before you finish the story. I got to know what happened. So here we go. In verse 15. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family, check this out. They continued to eat for many days. And then here's a miracle. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So check this out. This is so cool. God is like, trust me with what you have. Trust me with what you have. Believe in me. Have faith with what you have. And then God used that. And he created magic pots. No matter how much she took out of it, every day the pots didn't run out of flour or oil. There was always more. How cool would it be if you had a magic bottle of Diet Coke? Or fill in. Or what about cereal, right? Like you get like Lucky Charms, you get the box, you pour some out, and then you look back, you got the last little bit, you look back in, and you're like, oh, there's still more there. It really is magically delicious. Oh, I thought that was good. But this is so amazing what God did here. You see, God doesn't care about the amount you give. It's, it's the attention, the attitude that you, get, you have when you, when you give it. And, and whether or not you're willing to put faith in what you have. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people give testimonies of God's provision once they started giving to him. Don't miss that opportunity to grow your faith. This is what faith is. So as we close out this morning, let let me just say that if you want to see more miracles in your life, if you want to strengthen your faith, it means believing in God when I can't see what's next. It also means obeying when I don't really fully get it. It means being persistent with the things that God has called us to do. And then it means surrendering what we have to God. You do those things. You show that faith. You put your trust in God with those those four areas and you see. Let's see what God can do with that. This is good stuff. Now I'm going to give you a real life example of having the faith needed to see God at work. And in doing so, we'll fill you all in on some exciting news for the church. So for those of you all that have been with us for a long time, 
you know, the challenge that we have faced in trying to get that building out on Smith Road. And it's been quite a journey, and I'm not going to go through all the details of uh, site work and costs and financing and all that. But last year in 2022, uh, we told the church that, you know, prices had gotten uh, really high, and the interest rates have put us in a place where it's just not feasible, and it's not really being a good steward of what God has given us to be able to move forward at this time. So we told the congregation that we're going to continue to monitor the prices, but we're also going to look for opportunities um, around town. And truth is, we have been so focused on Smith Road that we've never really considered any other options like leasing some space. And if I can be honest with you while I'm going into this, let, let me tie this into the message. Let me be fully transparent with you. Starting this church and working towards this building are the greatest joys but also the greatest struggles of my life. Okay, please believe me when I say that nobody worries about this. Nobody stresses about this. Nobody wakes up in the middle of the night about this. Nobody prays about this. Nobody has done any of those things more than me. So when I talk about, the reason I tell you that, when I talk about a struggle, needing God to work, taking something from one year, coming into the new year with it, this is me. This is where I needed to have faith that God would work and move. So last year, I was praying. And I'm like, God, with everything that's going around, you know, everything that's up and down right now, just, God, would you just please work? I don't want to take the uncertainty of not knowing the next steps into another year or into this year. God, please work, please provide, please give us a miracle. And I had faith that he would. I had faith that we still serve a God of miracles. And I believe that this church has the faith needed to move the heart of God. We have had faith that we could do something even though we couldn't see it. We, we have faith to obey and keep moving forward when it doesn't always make sense. We, we've had faith to be persistent and keep going and keep giving whatever we have. And I believe because of that faith that you've had in this church that God moved. And the reason I say that is because last fall while I'm praying and trying to figure out, like, what are the next steps for us as a church? God moved. And there's a new opportunity out on Williams Road. There's a new construction project that's taking place just down from Old Town, between Old Town and right behind Zoe's Pediatrics and just, be try, uh, just beside Tuesday Tacos. And I called Carrie McWhorter about it, and Carrie was off and running. And within a month, our teams were meeting and we were discussing the opportunity to lease this new space and have a permanent spot for a little while. And we looked at it and it looked great. It looked great. We have enough space for worship. We got enough space for kids. We got our office space. We even have enough space for a journey group room. So let me give you a couple of reasons why the teams believe that this is a great opportunity for us. One, it's the location. It's, it's one step closer to where we're uh, looking to be. It's in a growing area. Number two, it's a brand new build. It's going to be a brand new building. Number three, they have plenty of weekend parking for us. Number four, the other tenants are very excited about a church coming in. Uh, number five, the price for the lease is very competitive. And number six, last but certainly not least, we don't have to set up and tear down anymore. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Oh, and did I mention it's right beside Tuesday Tacos, too? It's another benefit. 
So with that in mind, I want you to know that the teams have met. We've been meeting. We've had multiple finance team meetings, trustees team meetings, board meetings. The, the price, we believe, is very, very, very competitive, um, and it's great. And we unanimously agreed to move forward with this new space. Now, I know that this raises a lot of questions, so let me answer the two big questions that everybody has when we talk about this. Number one, what about our land? We still have it. Okay, we still have it. We still have plans for a building on the property. Uh, we just believe that leasing a space right now will provide some time for the commodities and the interest rates, you know, to kind of level themselves out a little bit. Number two, the other question we get is, when will it happen? Like, when will we move? Well, it's still under construction, so we're not completely sure when the construction will be finished, um, but we're hoping sometime this summer, and we'll just keep you, uh, we'll keep you in the loop as we move forward. And what can we do in the meantime? Let me tie this back to faith. Number one, have the faith to believe what you can't see just yet. I mean, you can see the building. You just drive by, you can see it going up. Go take a look at it. It's right behind Zoe's on Williams Road. You can see it with your own eyes, but you can't really see the inside. You can't really see what it's going to be like to get people in there. Have faith to believe what you can't see, what God is going to do in that location. Number two, have faith to obey and be persistent, just like we've been talking about. I mean, just keep doing what you're doing, right? Keep praying. Keep inviting friends to be a part of this church. Keep serving here. And then the third thing, give what you have. When it comes to the move and getting things ready for the building, I'm sure that, you know, as we look forward to this new spot, we're going to have a couple of work days, and we'll advertise that. Give what you have. You can come and serve and help, put stuff in and paint some walls and things like that, um, we're also going to need more people to serve on a Sunday. We're going to jump immediately to two services, so we'll need more people in more places. And that'll be a great opportunity. If you do those things, you keep believing, you keep obeying, you keep being persistent, you keep giving. That's the faith. That's the faith that God can work with. So, y'all, I'm so excited about what God is doing. And I believe in 2023, I believe that this is going to be a great year because I believe in a God that still moves. I believe in a God that still works. I believe in a God of miracles. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much for this church, for this time. God, I just pray that you would help us be like that widow in the story and obey you even when we don't understand. God, help us grow our trust and our faith in you in this new year. God, just to lean into you, even when we don't feel like it. And God, we know when we do that, we know it pleases your heart when we have the faith that's needed. And that leaves you opportunities to work in our lives. So God, we ask you to move, to work, to guide and provide. And God, we also pray as we move forward into this new year with the opportunity of leasing our own space. God, we just pray that you would continue to provide and work in our lives. Jesus, we pray for the future of this church. God, that you would continue to grow us, that you continue to work in us, and that you would continue to provide your miracles so that others can see your work in and through us. We love you, God. We give you everything we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.